Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, uh, Blog Talk listeners. This is Tom Hayes in Boston, Massachusetts, and we are so blessed, and we've got Rosemarie Young up there in Maine, uh, and sometime, I don't know if you ha- have a map, Sarah, but you can locate Maine. It's one of the most uh, eclectic and kind of cool places on the planet. But we are thrilled to have you here. I've been following you for over a year. We c- connected through Twitter, and then I found you, and I found your story fascinating. I find what you're one of my passions as well as teenagers. And of, of any mystery on the planet right now, I think there has to be this new generation of kids. So this is an exciting program for a lot of people to uh, maybe reach out and find out if we can actually communicate with these aliens. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure Thank you to be here, Sarah. Thank you. And I do know where Maine and Boston are. I've got a friend that lives in um, upstate New York, and I'm actually I went to visit her two years ago, and I'm going again this year. So that'd be nice. Yeah. What, what part? What city or town? Um, Gainesville. No, Gainesville. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, my daughter lives right up there, so that's uh, fantastic. So first of all. Um, the thing that strikes out the most is, as I said, you were a policewoman at one time, and now you're this counselor, uh, advisor, you're, um, you're kind of a futurist in terms of where these kids are you're going, where society's going, et cetera. And well, first of all, was it, you know, this is, uh, I'm a comedian, so I have to get this out. So when you were a policewoman, were you called Sarah or Bobby? <laughs> um, I, I think I was called neither of them, and none of the things I was called I could probably repeat live on air, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, what kind of a policewoman? Were you a patrol woman, what we call here, you were out in the streets in, the, in a vehicle, or were you uh, crime, or what? Um, I did everything, actually. I mean, I was in the police about 10 years, so when you start, you have to um, go out on, on the streets. I also did um, a a bit of a stint in what is called the Criminal Investigation Department, or the CID. And the, my career sort of ended when, when I, was, I was in the, what was then called, oh, the Youth Liaison Office. Um, and there I spent a lot of the time dealing with either children that had offended or children that were at risk of offending. But I did an awful lot of other things, I think, in... in in the process. Wow. So do you feel that that event, you know, getting that position is what, you know, was that the bridge to doing what you're doing now? Um, it's interesting because, I mean, I, I've always actually loved kids. I mean, my first job ever was actually in Disney World in Florida, you know, so and then into the police. So I've had this very strange, varied um, career. Um, when I was in the police, there was this one young young boy that I was working with um, called Luke. And I think he was about 15-ish. I mean, I'm going back some, some years now. And I mean, I knew this kid sort of more than I knew my own family. I arrested him so many times. And he'd like become almost like this friend of mine. He wasn't even a very good criminal. He'd sort of pinch things wearing a bright orange top. You know, and stuff. He just wasn't very good at it. Um, and one day I'd arrested him because he'd breached his bail, so he he was supposed to come back to the um, station, and he didn't. And I was sort of handcuffed to him in the back of the van, and saying to him, "You know, why do you do it?" And he just sort of looked at me and started to cry and said, "Well, I don't know what else to do." And I remember it sort of having a huge 
impact on me. And unfortunately, that day, Luke actually took his life. And oh. yeah, and it sort of, at the time, it didn't really affect me until I started to really think about, you know, what, what did we do wrong here? You know, what went wrong? And so all of the young people that I then started to see, I, I started to just deal with differently. So I'd ask them questions like, um, you know, what, what, you know, what makes you passionate? What sets you on fire? What do you want to do? And, and, and they, I saw them sort of start to change and shift. But because we were in the police and no one could quantify what I was doing, um, I got asked to go back and, and do it the way I was. Even though we had brought the offending, re-offending weight down, I didn't even know what I was doing. And every sort of, yeah, every cell in my body just could not go back to the old way. So I took what was then called a career break and decided to try and figure out what I was doing with these young people. You know, I felt that I actually owed it to Luke, if nothing else, to go and figure out how did you save another one, you know. And that kind of led me into coaching and led me, you know, into what I'm doing now. And here we are, I don't know, probably, let me think, how old's my daughter? She's, so we're about 14-ish years later now of, of, and still on the journey of trying to figure out, you know, <laughs> what do you do? But, right. that, you know, that's, so, yeah, that is what led me here, here really, and why I still, I think, get up every day and, and do do what I do, because, you know, it's awful to think that a child would feel their life is worth nothing, and, and you know, that, that drives me on, I think. Of course, of course, and, you know, uh, I think I talk about it every show, I'm a, since, uh, I, and I, I was reading some of your posts this morning and how uh, very, right now you're into editing big time. I saw your love, uh, the, was it Love Doctor, is he, or the uh, yeah, yeah. Your production? Oh, yeah, the Love Doctor, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous, and what a great concept. And you, just on that post alone, you had uh, over 2,000 views, so congratulations. So... Let me just, uh, that is not, by the way, that is not uh, Downton Abbey. That's my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of film as well. So, uh, so um, you know, you, you did all these things. And, uh, you know, I, I, what, I, what I see, you know, this whole connection is that you, you know, so you, oh, so Steve Jobs. All right. So I spend tons of time now because Apple was great to take me and, uh, help me move to technology. And Steve Jobs talking, you bring it up here. He talks about, I love his one quote. He says, you will never know where the connections in your life are going to go from this point forward. You can only tell looking backward. And here you are telling how your whole life story, your life story shifted because of this one connection and how it's, you know, the, the main force that's driving you forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's what, you know, I find that really interesting in life. You know, our lives are stories. We're the, you know, the heroine or the hero of our own lives. And we're all called at some at some point to, to step up and do something differently. And, and really, you either answer the call or you don't. And, and I heard it and I answered it. And every single day, I think I'm answering another one. You know, things change and shift. And that's all I think we can ever do is answer oh, yeah. what we're being called next. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've just a book that really kind of tied it all together for me is the uh, War of Art, not the Art of War. The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, who's a who wrote the Legend of Bag of Ants, and uh, he he basically says that that our souls, that, that you know, the, our our main energy, uh, 
goes through these metamorphoses, through these iterations, because it's time to move on. And it's only yeah. when you don't. And so the same thing with these kids. You, you, you know, the key word I think that you used was the passion thing. And that's my favorite thing is what, what, what turns you on, kids? And so do some of them know? Or do, how, how do you find? What happens there? Um, I think they all know. I, I, you know, and in my experience, I think what happens is that um, we've got a very narrow view of what passion is or what a future is or what a career is. Um, and, you know, young people will eventually always tell me, you know, what it is that they're truly passionate about. But they're almost scared to say quite often because most of the adults don't do what I do and say, that's really cool. How are we going to make that happen? They, you know, they say things like, well, that's not a real job or, well, you know, a lot of people don't make it. And, <laughs> and, you know, and it's, it's not our job to judge, you know, that's for them to decide. So I think that I think everybody knows you know, um, what they're passionate about. But what happens is that some of us are so disconnected from ourselves because of society or parental pressure or peer pressure or a host of other things, maybe abuse in our background, that we, we you know, we just need to reconnect with ourselves. So I think that they all know. Um, it's just to what degree, I think. <laughs> That's great. And those questions, I mean, those are beautiful, deep, questions and you're right it kind of stuns them doesn't it because i i speak to inner city schools right now and the age group is about 10 to to 12 and you know i mean we're almost like uh, you know what i found the reaction of the kids to me is we're like these weird beings that ask them these questions that you're right nobody else is asking including their teachers yeah yeah, absolutely and and um, you know we were talking about connections there and and i always think you never know how important you you might be to that child you know you might be the person that asks the one thing or says the one thing that changes changes their direction and i don't think that we can ever take that lightly because you know who knows and we sometimes never know while we're there you know i i, I talk to a lot of other people who do what i do and they say yeah but i don't know i'm making a difference the child isn't responding i said but how do you know you know you don't right. you don't know and so, right. you, you know, if you're going to do this job, you've got to have a lot of faith and belief in yourself. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, well, I have an interesting story, too. I t probably talk about it too much on every show, but I lost my leg at the age of 13 to a form of wow. cancer that only 5% survived. So when I reach these kids, you know, I get right into them because I make them, uh, you know, I ask the kind of questions that say, okay, now you're, you're in a hospital bed, you've been sick, and now they come in and tell you you're going to lose your leg. Now, where do you go from there? And they, I have them, you know, imagine and, and jump into that role, and they play it out. And the letters I get, I mean, I volunteer my time for this, and the letters I get, I mean, just there is no way that money could compensate for that emotional connection that I've made to them and that they've made to me. And, and you know, I'm like this thunderclap that comes in and says, First of all, you know, life is precious. I could have died. Instead, I made, yeah. you know, a fun, fantastic life for myself. So what do you guys want to do? And it really gets them thinking in the letters. You're right. The letters prove it. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, an amazing work you're doing. Yeah, and, and, you know, I have this children's property. <laughs> I sent you one of my little stand-up uh, routines with the character <laughs> of dating Wendy and Peter Pan and all that, and I loved your uh, response. Now, 
so, but you, you I go down your, you, <laughs> I was thinking this morning, I woke up, I said, I said, where is, how did I miss this woman? This could be my soulmate, <laughs> this woman. <laughs> I said, she loves movies, she loves cake, she loves kids, she loves Smith. And I've got to ask this, talk about the Hunger Games and how you, you talk about that. Oh, um, you know, film has always been like hugely, hugely important in, in, in my life. And it was sort of all I actually ever did as a child is watch films. Um, and so I, I, and I'd sort of forgotten about it, actually, when I got quite serious about coaching. Um, and then I was introduced to The Writer's Journey, a book which sort of blew my mind um, and decided that I had to use films as, in, in what I was doing because it was such a big part of my life. Um, so I then actually went off and got trained in something called cinema therapy, I think it's called. Um, but really... <laughs> really? Yeah, I know. It does actually exist. Um, and so I went off and got trained in something called that. But actually what I realized is that, um, you know, films imitate life. You know, they're archetypal patterns and archetypal stories that appear in films that, you know, have appeared in life forever. Um, and what I absolutely adore about films, and I think young people can relate to, is what I was talking about earlier, is that in some time in, in a film, there's a call. And for the film to continue, the heroine has to answer the call. So in, in Hunger Games, you know, it's when, when Prim gets, you know, her name gets pulled out of the weeping and Katniss, you know, steps forward. And I use that a lot when I'm, you know, working with, with young people, because I think a lot of what they don't do is actually answer that call or even see it as a call. So, you know, I use movies in quite a few ways. Firstly, to get the, the point across to, to young people about how life works. You know, you, if you're going to be great, you've got to answer that call. And sometimes they're messy. You know, sometimes they're horrible. You know, poor, poor Dorothy, you know, her, her um, house got, you know, <laughs> whisked up in a tornado somewhere. You know, sometimes they're not nice. But also I think films are, yeah, I know, I know. But also I think they're really interesting when we look at, when we look at the generation and of the films that are, are coming out for that generation. I think they tell us a lot about where the, the psyche is of, um, of young people too and where it's going. So I find them just fascinating. Well, yeah, you know, that's why I, 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 that stuck out at me, The Hunger Games, because... Um, it's so, you know, it's a dystopia. I mean, it is the total antithesis of a utopia. And I, I'm wondering if that's the way kids are perceiving uh, things today, that they're kind of in this dystopic world. Well, I think what's really interesting, and there's so many things being written about the Hunger Games, there's so many ways to look at it. But what um, young, a lot of young people I talk to see is that actually the Hunger Games is is sort of questioning our experiences in, in terms of reality TV. Um, ah. So actually what, yeah, so what The Hunger Games is about is about the people watching something that essentially is, is almost reality TV in the future. And, and, it, and you can have some really great conversations with them about, you know, how we do blindly watch something because, that, you know, that is what's happening in the Hunger Games. The rest of the, you know, the districts are watching it and have no real idea what's going on because they're having one right. presented to them. And the, 
the you know the generation that are the older of our young people now. So we're looking at Generation Y, which the I think the uh, the youngest of those are about 18 at the moment. You know they are the hero generation. They're the generation that have come along to to save us from you know <laughs> from the mess that I my hope. generation. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> yeah, we hope. We hope. <laughs> so it well, was, well, it was well, quite, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no. I, I here's the big question: is because of the technology, because their heads are always in the cell phones, because their heads are you know always somewhere else, and you know I think there's this huge, huge, unlike any generation previous. This to me, and, and maybe this is why I'm, I'm so grateful that you showed up. How do we reach them? I mean, that's do you, is who, where is the problem? Is the problem with us? Is the problem with them? Or is there, do you even see it as a problem? Um, well, yeah, it's really interesting because I'm I'm I love technology and I and I always look for the counter evidence of everything. So if someone tells me gaming's bad. I'll go out and look for the evidence that tells me gaming's good because I like, you know, I like to look at things in the balance. So I think that the problem is probably the adults. Um, I, I, and I actually think that technology isn't taken away from them. I think it's actually giving them a, a lot. You know, I think it's making them creative. I think it's, it's making them able to mobilize themselves. It's making them much more worldly and much more tolerant. I think there are a few issues. Um, um, I wrote about one today about the new relationships that are actually you know, forming through technology. You know, you can try your boyfriend before you buy him now for a long, long time. Wish my daughter yeah. could have done that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I wish I could have done that. I think most of them I would never have gotten gone there. But, you know, we didn't have that, you know, luxury, I think. I think one of the main things that concerns me about this generation is the amount of labels they're being given. You know, so oh, you've got anxiety, you've got ADHD, you've got this, and you've got that, and and that concerns me. You know, I, when I talk to the young people, I say to them, I I would have been diagnosed with ADHD, but it wasn't available to me at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Poor you. <laughs> yeah, poor me. I was Even dyslexia wasn't available to me at the time. I was just called lazy. So, so I think that, yeah. And that is the thing I'm really concerned with. So, for example, even my 13-year-old will be slightly nervous about something. And she'll go, oh, I'm having a panic attack. It's anxiety. And I go, no. No. You're slightly nervous. And um, and, and this, to me, is, is the biggest problem that we've actually got happening i think a lot of that is to do with you know technology we have youtubers telling us you know their their lives on you know on 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 youtube about how they're anxious and they're this and it's and it's just become so normal that now a, a behavior that doesn't feel great is a mental illness and that's not why. right oh, exactly and you know i just uh you know, you know when I get when I tell people that you know a, a doctor walks into a room and tells me he's got to take my leg off and that um, and I, I got a rude awakening years later when I tried to counsel a gal who had just lost her leg through a motorcycle accident and I said hey you know 
you know, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. And she said, well, good for you to say. She said, because you had a choice. They, they made me think I had a choice. They came in and told me, you know, you're either going to die or you can have the leg removed and you can live. She says, I was riding around on a motorcycle with my boyfriend on a beautiful spring day, and when I woke up, I was half, half of the person I was before because my, she, she'd even lost her leg above her hip. And so, so you know, there's that, you know, that, that part of it of understanding that I'm just appreciative to be alive. And, you know, that was a major point for me was that I always went to the spiritual, that there had to be a reason for this. Because everybody, for the rest of my life, uh, I worked in the medical field for years, you know, where they would see me limp and ask me the question of what I had. And when I told them, they said, no, no you didn't have that because you'd be dead. So to me, there's always that deep spiritual uh, question or thing to be, like you say, the calling. And so, you know, I see what you're doing is you're getting to that point. You're asking these kids these things. And so when when I see people (laughs) get all messed up over anxiety or it's just life, and you're right, we've gotten away from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are people that are much more susceptible to that. And, you know, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I think that what we've done is is that normal behavior, you know, normal messy life behavior has become like something wrong. You know, and the right. parents are becoming so protective and the kids are like naming things. And, and I just think, mm, you know, that really does concern me more so than the te- any of any of the technology issues that may be there. Right. So now um, I want Rosemary to ask some questions a little bit, but I, I really want to get these out of the way. Uh, so, so the first connection seems to be in what I love, and I was taught this by my daughter about the passions. We, she dropped out of college, and my, her counselor and I worked on her for over 45 minutes and convinced her that you know she should stay. And she didn't say a word for 45 minutes, and she looked at us and she said, well, I heard everything you said, and you're absolutely right. on it. I can't answer one of those arguments you're... And so I said, oh, great, so you're going to go back. She goes, no. <laughs> and we both looked and said, why not? And she says, because it's not in my heart. And that was the thunderclap for me to, what? oh, my God, she's right. You know, it's not in her heart. So why? Why do that? So this kid, you know, my daughter's taught me more about living than even the crazy things I've done. And because she's got that connection to her heart. So you wake them up with the heart. So now I look at what you do pragmatically you have all these courses on how to achieve grades how to you know find find the right relationship so what's the second step once you do get connected to them how do you communicate them how do you motivate them um well i think that, that firstly and that's really interesting i get that asked all the time how do you motivate a teenager i say well you can't <laughs> you don't you know it's like motivation isn't something that we do to somebody else you know, it's something that we help them find within themselves. And I'd love to say that there was a formula for that. Um, but there isn't. And I think that we motivate ourselves with whatever we have to to get through. I mean, I was certainly motivated at school because I wanted to go to America. I wanted to work in America. And that was it. You know, it wasn't high and mighty. It wasn't, you know, I want to change the world. I just wanted to go and work with Mickey Mouse. That, you know, it was that simple. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, um, you know, when my daughter was doing her studying, she was motivated because she wanted to go to the boys' school. 
you know, she wanted to get, she'd been at a girls' school and she wanted to do well to go to the boys' school. And I think what we, what we often do with young people is that we think they're, you know, they should be motivated to get good grades. I don't know anyone that's motivated to get good grades. <laughs> you know, they're motivated, yeah, I mean, like, who wants that? You know, they're motivated because, you know, they want to sit in the best university in, in, the, in the world. You know, they want to sit in Oxford, right. they want to sit in Cambridge, and they want to meet those people that are going to run the world, you know. And, and we, so we have to get beyond, you know, really down to it. Maybe they want to, you know, beat their sister or beat their brother. Maybe they just want to stick two fingers up to their parents, you know. And, and we, <laughs> who knows what it is? <laughs> Yeah, you know who knows, and, and I don't think that we. Yeah, you're you're a born you're a born saleswoman. You you know how to create the vision. So, so okay, so you connect, and now what I'm hearing is now it, it's never about the features; it's about the benefits. If you do do that, then you can go to Oxford or Cambridge, or you can go to America, or you can you know go to the boys' school. Is that the step yeah. you think you you do? You yeah, you plant the vision. It's be about yeah, remembering why you're doing it because it's studying isn't easy. Studying feels like rubbish. You know, no one wants to do it. You know, it's an awful thing to do. For example, you know, just using study. You know, I have never met a young person that sat down and go, "God, I love studying. It's just the best thing in the world." <laughs> really? Yeah. Absolutely. They don't exist, so you've got to go beyond that. You know, why are you doing that? And, and that vision has got to be so strong, and, and they have to understand that, you know, it's like a movie playing in their head, that they want it so much that they won't make excuses, you know, that they won't compromise. Right. Then to me, motivation becomes almost, um, a, a, you know, it's almost even not a conversation because that person is like, I want this so much, and I'm not willing to make any excuses. And um, and I, that is when, you know, getting to that place is not easy. And some children will never get there, you know, and that's okay. Um, but I think that when we look at motivation, I think it is, it is just what gets that child to do what they need to do. And you know what? It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be great. It just has to be something. <laughs> exactly. You know, I... I was a sales trainer for the corporation I worked for for years, and every once in a while they'd give me a group that wasn't going to make it. They were going to have to fire them, but they were going to give them one last chance. And I found out after years of trying to teach tricks and techniques, so if you try to teach all these techniques on how to do things, it would only get so much of a result. And then what I, when they got down to this last resort, I would close the door and go, okay, look, why are you here? And then it hit me that... It really, I tell people all the time, and I'm so angry. There's a great TED Talk out there about uh, Start With Why, and he wrote a book. And I'm like, ah, how did I not do that? Because I knew that 30 years ago, that it really is all about the why. And I would yeah. say, why do you get up every day? Why do you come here every day? And I said, write it on, a, on an index card, which I don't even know if they exist anymore. I said, put it over your visor as you're driving down the road. And every time you get rejected or anything else, take it out and read it. Why do you do this? And, you know, and I think you, you see, it must frustrate you when you see all of these other coaches and muses and, and you know, uh, gurus talking about this tech. If you do this technique, if you do this, this. But you, I'm so glad, again, I don't know how I missed you on my journey to, life, to this point, but you get the soul component of this, this the, you know, re, that inner self, that, that inner voice 
and that that's all you you have to kind of do is is just kind of guide them along that way yeah you know absolutely i think and i think you know i i I've been around long enough to know that eventually they'll probably come around these countries when they realize that you, yeah, know, you can't yeah, do anything yeah. to a teenager. You just have to turn up, and, you know, and sit in front of them and be there for them, and that's enough. That's okay. Yeah. That, that is enough. And exactly. Of, yeah, this just, they sniff them out, let's face it. You're, you know, you're, you're dead meat if you're going that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one last a little quick story am I and my daughter and I were not getting along she was after the divorce living with me and every horror story you could imagine old messy place you know having parties when I wasn't there <laughs> and so I uh, sat her down I, I noticed that there were patterns in the relationship I had with her that I had with my ex-wife and so we went out to dinner and I said look I know what you're doing here you're testing the limits to see if I love you and I said so forget it I said you can stop all of these games because you will never, never, ever be able to stop my loving you, ever. I says, but as far as liking you, I really don't like you right now. And I said, so if you really want to get along and like me, we have to get to a point where we can have develop a positive relationship. And uh, that changed our, our, our relationship forever. She just looked at me and got it. So I think I hear what you're saying. If they, If you're paying attention, if you're giving them the time, if you're asking the questions and if you're encouraging rather than always disparaging, they're going to get it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, not, they're not stupid, you know. <laughs> they just want someone to hear them, someone to, to listen, and someone to say the things that, you know, no one else is saying, you know, that we're too scared to or we're, you know, we're not, you know, for all sorts of reasons. But I think that, you know, we just have to be there and that's enough. That's enough. Exactly. Well, Rosemary, I wanna, I've, I've hogged the, the conversation long enough. First of all, let me um, tell you, um, Rosemary is one of, talk about heroes and heroines. She is, she is one of mine in, in the highest order because her daughter has uh, Rett syndrome, and she'll explain what that is. And every day this woman gets up and climbs a mountain that most people would never be able to, to, to even begin to suit up to, to do it. And she, and uh, so, Rosemary, I'm going to turn it over to you. Why don't you tell your story a little bit and ask some questions? Hi, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> nice, yes, nice. <laughs> uh, nice to be speaking with you. Uh, I'm sure you you may have heard of RET. It's R-E-T-T, RET syndrome. Oh, I don't know. It might have a different name over there to here. I'm not sure. Sometimes it's it a lot yeah. of people do. Yeah, a lot of people do get it confused with Tourette's, but it's RET yeah. syndrome. It's a debilitating neurological and a movement disorder that uh, it affects mainly females. And uh, it's the leading genetic cause of severe impairment in girls. In fact, my, my daughter, she's trying very hard to speak. Every now and then we'll get, you know, certain words will come out. Um, she's unable to use her hands, really. She's unable to grasp uh, anything for any long period of time. And she's unable to walk. She's in a wheelchair. And uh, that's something that, you know, we have had. I actually posted a picture of her and I yesterday, and I said a lot of people say, how do you do it? There's no how. There's only love. And that's what, you know, gives us the strength to do it every single day. And uh, it's, you know, every girl, they say every 90 minutes another child is being born with it. 
and wow. it, it can it can affect males, but in a different way. And I've heard in some cases that you know, if a baby boy is uh, born with the the uh, the gene, that he doesn't usually survive very long. I'm not sure. I, I've heard different stories. There's been different ones that have floated about. But uh, that is Rett syndrome, and like Tom says, that's what we face every morning when we wake up. And but we we find the positive in it. And um, I was just going to say, I have a 19-year-old daughter. She'll be 20 in September. And I was telling Tom earlier some of the nightmares we went through in her freshman year of high school and and all that. But uh, um, the one thing I was going to ask you and bring up because something she dealt with with. Um, with uh you know being in um uh, you know junior high was bullying and uh, she never told me until just a few years ago that you know this was something that she had dealt with and uh you know I I wanted to hear your views on you know that's it's a big deal it's a big I see it you know everywhere it's about bullying so I really like to hear your views on that okay well first I uh Wow, amazing! You know, and I, th- I think that often we we um, forget that there's people dealing with with things that you know we see as heroic and you see as as normal. So, amazing! I think bullying. Now, this is really interesting. I, I've got you know, like I say, I've got a friend that lives in upstate New York, and I talked to her and her daughter, who's the same, who is 18, so the same age as my eldest over here. And I do think that this is much more of a problem in the States than it is in the UK. Um, Wow. From what I I see, now I'm not saying it doesn't exist here, because it absolutely does, but um, if we just take our schools for example, every school in the UK has a school uniform. So um, the whole thing about what clothes that people have got on is immaterial in this country, because you've all got the same uniform on. So um, that's fantastic. Actually, I think it's fantastic because so many kids over here, they're judged at times. And it's so it's such a it's a very shallow, superficial thing. They're judged at what they wear. I've seen it. You're not wearing this label. You're not wearing this. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) And I I, so I've seen uh, my, my friend's daughter get up and get ready for school and then see my own and go, whoa, that's different. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and I also think in the UK we are less obsessed with, with how we look. It's definitely not such of a, a thing o- over here. Now, bullying does exist. I've got a few sort of thoughts about it. Actually, I think the word bullying is sometimes not a great word for us to use anymore because I think firstly they think the young people are bored of it I think you know most the adults are bored of it and and I don't think anyone really knows what it means anymore you know like what is bullying if I if you know if I'm a bit mean to you or I don't like you and I don't talk to you am I really bullying you so I think that actually the whole concept needs probably an update and there's a great um girl actually well she is a girl out in the states called lauren galley um who who runs something called girls above society she's amazing and she's very young i think she's only about 19 and she talks about being mean you know and i think that that's you know a really good concept for us to grab hold of what's really mean and what is just you being honest and going, you know, I don't like you and I don't want to speak to you. So I think we probably, you know, I think bullying is something we use as adults. 
I think we need a different language when we talk to young people. But what Lauren does, which I think is the way forward, is she puts it in hands of the young people and, and empowers young girls to sort of, you know, speak up when they see and hear this behaviour. And I think that, you know, that we really do need to take it away from go and tell an adult, because they're not going to and they don't, as, as you know, your daughter's, you know, clearly clearly there to, to, to show that she didn't tell you. It doesn't matter how great our relationship is, is with them. So I think we need to, you know, really push it onto them and say, you know, what should we do here? What's right? How do we clarify mean and not mean? And I know certainly when my daughter was being bullied, and she was in about year four, which would make her about nine or ten. Mm-hmm. And um, she came home and, and, you know, and after a few days of her being a, not herself, you know, we got it out that some people were being mean or, or whatever word she used. Right, and instead right. of sort of rushing in, I said, well, what do you want to do about it? And she came up with her own plan and she went in and and you know, did the plan and some of it worked, some of it didn't. And this went on for about two weeks until she felt she dealt with it. So I think that often as adults we, we rush in when our young people are sometimes very capable if they're just talked through it to deal with this themselves. Because I think when we step in, we're almost saying to them, you can't handle this. Yeah, you know, good you're, point. Yeah. Um, now, I do Excellent. think if someone's been... Yeah, if someone's been hit or there's anything like that, then absolutely, you know, that mm-hmm. you know that that should be dealt with. And what we forget, which really irritates me as an ex-police officer, is that if we hit somebody or we say we're going to, it's a crime. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, that right. simple. And we yep. sort of, we, you know, don't call it bullying if it's, a, you know, if it's assault. So I think we, you know, exactly. we, we should really call it what it is. You know, someone just being mean, are they assaulting you or do they just not like you? And that's okay because not everyone can like us. So it's almost like I just feel <laughs> we need to get it off, off, this, off this bullying banner and start to really get clear. You know, there's, you know, mean behavior, you know, actual physical, emotional, you know, mental abuse. And then there's, you know, they don't like me and I want them to like me. And it, it feels a bit sad. You know, that's, that's right. That's what she she was dealing with the whole, you know, uh, uh, how could I put it? You know, her body was changing. Everything was, you know, she had she had gained weight. She had lost weight. She had gained it, you know. And then they were poking fun at her figure and everything else. And it, it's that it was that that whole uh, awkward time that she was yeah. going through. Yeah, yeah, and that that was when she said it was the worst and. I explained to her, I said, you're beautiful. You know, you shouldn't let just what a few people are saying, you know, bring you down, you know, so much she'd stay in her room most of the time. I thought she just needed time by herself. I'd go and knock and ask, you know, would she like to come out? No, I'm doing homework. So, of course, I'm not going to bother her if she's doing homework. So, you know, that was just one of the, yeah. Yeah. And I think what we can forget is when we look at something as an adult so we look at something being said as an adult we can rationalize it mm, you know as a right. young person where someone says you're fat or you're ugly you know that feels like crap you know oh, really yeah. Does. yeah and i think you know sometimes we just have to say god you know that that's awful you know that must make you feel horrid um, and what I always do is I go, well, you know, is that real? Where's the evidence for that? You know, I can't help being a, an ex-police officer, I think, you know, and investigate it. But I think that, 
you know, we can't often judge how a child behaves to something by us looking at it, you know, from an adult's viewpoint. Because when someone says that to you, you know, it it hurts. Mm. It really, really of hurts. And, yeah. Of course. I mean, uh, being ostracized is is terrible. But you know, and then yeah. you know, then if all of a sudden they're ignoring you, that's even worse. You know, they've proved that babies who are in orphanages who weren't picked up and coddled and everything, they died. You know, I mean, so alienation is is even a, a worse form of uh, punishment or, or crime. And what I do often say is to children that are going through really awful things is that, you know, think of how, you know, the others you can help when you've got through this, mm-hmm. you know, because there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I also tell them how awesome they must be because they've been chosen to go through this to help other people. Exactly. You know, oh, an awesome thing. <laughs> You know, and they look at me like I'm slightly insane, but, you know, I go, whoa, you must be, you know, you must be going to do amazing stuff because you're being given everything really early. So you must be, you must have amazing stuff to do in your life. Because that was was the thing with my daughter. She had to, you know, she was facing uh, having a sister with a disability, you know, and that over time taught her so much compassion. She's now a CNA, CRMH, going for a registered nurse, you know, she's wow. working with people, and it's just, it's in her heart. You know, she was raised to to help, to love, to care, and it, it made her see things a lot differently. She said it in a speech that she had for a graduation, and it, it really, you know, about how it changed her way of thinking. She said she would not be the person today that she is if it wasn't for having that experience with her little sister. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, you, you know, know we're never uh, given anything. We, yeah. No, I'm just yeah, thinking I we're just, never given anything we can't handle, are we? You know. Exactly. Just, I was just going to say the same thing. You know, losing. You know, I. I you know, we all. <laughs> we're all under the illusion that wouldn't we love to have paradise right now? No problems, no cares, no worries. <laughs> and you know, eventually you. you and, and I just read a book um, called the uh, The Boys in the Boat. A fabulous bestseller about a uh, true story about the rowing team in the 1930s that uh, went to from America and won the uh, gold medal, took it away from the uh, from Hitler. And uh, its book starts off. It said, "In rowing, the water is your resistance." And he says, "It is the thing that you have to plow through to get where you're going." And he says, "In the same way that it's your enemy, it is also your friend because the water is what supports you." And in the same way in life. It is your problems that you you view as your enemy, but they are the thing that shape you and shape your character and make you who you are. And that was like, oh my goodness, you know, another uh, thunderbolt. You know, it was like, wow, that's so true. We, and we should, instead of looking at all these things, they're never pleasant, but accept them that as this is what is going to, you know, be the the hand that that molds and shapes what kind of a vessel you turn into. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Sarah, they're going to shut us off in about, as you know, uh, our time is just about up. Anything you want? I have to say one thing. I, I, love, I love your openness. You, first of all, you, you get it, Sarah, and you're, to have you as a light for young people and to, hear it, it's, and to show you the little, uh, what we talk about on the show, the little drop, the pebble that goes in the pond, but the ripple mm-hmm. r- reaches all the way across the pond to America, and we're going to share this over here. 
you are so open, it's, you, you see life as fun with cakes and movies. And, and I saw your thing about the Victoria's Secret models. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? We've got about a minute. <laughs> We've got about two minutes here. You oh, uh, say uh, why, why I like Victoria's Secret. Why I can identify with Victoria's Secret. Model. At least it was on your page. I, I don't know how it got there. Yeah, I, I, I guess I guess every single one of us wants to at some point boogie down the catwalk with Taylor Swift, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Secretly, we all do. <laughs> exactly. And, and you look at these things, instead of uh, being judgmental about them, you see them for the fun they can be. Yeah, absolutely. And, if, and it, you know, and on a serious note, if you do actually listen to Victoria's Secret models being interviewed, and I think one of them did a, an amazing TED talk, they're actually, you know, quite incredible. You know, they don't just get there. You know, they they work hard. <laughs> you know, yes, they're being blessed with genes, but you know, we shouldn't be beating up on something just because we think, you know, oh, that's 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 wrong. But oh, you don't get me going on body image. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Sarah, they're going to shut us off. I can't tell you how grateful we are, Rosemary. What do you want to say? I, I'm, I'm so. I feel honored to have spoken to you, Sarah. You. Oh, thank you. You so definitely much. have it together there. Thank you for you know all the advice, everything, just listening. It's great. Thank, thank you, Sarah. What a fun time. We we loved it. I loved it yes, too. We did. It's great to meet you both, and what amazing stuff you're both doing in the world too. So. Well, kindred souls. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.